This episode of Today, Maybe Forever is presented in collaboration with the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. I'm Floyd Hall, and this is Today, Maybe Forever. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with photographer John Stevens. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Floyd. Happy to be here. Glad to have some time with you today. We are sitting in Gallery 72 here in the the front window, actually, uh, watching the people walk past us, watching everyday people doing everyday things. And to our, I guess, my right, your left, in the background, we have uh, the current exhibition up in Gallery 72, which is Rusty Miller, The Compassionate Eye in Forgotten Atlanta. And John, as a photographer, what were your initial impressions about this work? Um, just the, the idea that there was a story that I just had no idea about or, or just wasn't um, just wasn't aware of. The, the idea that there was a part of Atlanta that wasn't so old that it, saw, it seemed unrelatable, but also wasn't you know, um, that far away from where we are now to be able to think about childhood memories and, and be able to see similar things. Like, I remember riding on those type of buses when the transportation, um, when I was riding public tra- transportation as a kid. I remember going to ice cream shops that looked like that, I, the ice cream shops that he um, had photographed but more so the idea that his passion for this community and his intentionality to display um, this narrative of the people with the future kind of transposed in the background of Atlanta, it it just is amazing. When I think about Atlanta in the sense of from my standpoint, we either think um, post-Civil War reconstruction, which is far, far out of my reach, and then you've got where we are now, um, almost starting like at the Atlanta Fulton County Stadium forward. Um, I never thought about what the impact of the construction of that stadium had on the community at large. I, I always knew about the promises that were made to the communities when those establishments, when the Milwaukee Braves came to Atlanta. Um, I knew about the promises of what, the, what it would be for the community and how it would help the city and the whole nine yards, but I never saw it. And walking around looking at Rusty Miller's work, he, he was capturing it right in the transition. Like we, we see the, the change in Atlanta where the landscape it didn't have really a cityscape or a skyline. And you're seeing these neighborhoods that are only reminiscent right now in Martin Luther King's old neighborhood. I literally was like, that's okay, so these houses were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, uh, drilling down even further, you start looking at what he's shooting. Um, the type of stuff that he's shooting is stuff that you, would, you could be around every day, riding the bus, walking on the street, walking past uh, businesses that are in the community with their signs and their, their, their requests for work. Um, the kids, lots of kids everywhere. It almost was, is, is in a way, you know, symbolic of almost a love letter to the people of Atlanta during that time. Um, because it takes, it takes walking around, it takes exploring, it takes being in spaces um, 
for a long period of time to actually watch life happen. You know, you have to sit for a while before you actually see an image um, kind of be revealed to you. And then this connection with the people in the photos is, is one of comfort. So I, I, I definitely understand this, this tightening of the compassionate eye. You can see that compassion in the way that he displays them, even benounced to the environment that you see them in, in some cases deplorable, um, in the sense of thinking, well, how is somebody living there? And then you're thinking, it's, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this time is so far away from you know, my childhood. I started seeing the connections of things that I remember when I was a kid that trans transitioned over, like the ice cream shops and um, in some ways of form, form or fashion, the, the auto repair shops that had all the writing on the wall. And you realize the time frame that he shot really isn't that far away from where we are now. Um, but it definitely showed a, a huge um, piece of the puzzle that I just hadn't thought about in reference to the narrative of Atlanta. Let's be clear on what we're looking at here. I mean, this is, this is low-income Atlanta. You know, this, what we're seeing in these neighborhoods is, and I, I don't mean uh, neighborhoods that are devoid of, of joy or, or, mm -hmm. or, or pride, because in these images, you, you see- There's plenty of joy. Plenty of joy, plenty of, of pride, plenty of just, of just life. But at the same time, you do see people living in a certain condition. And when you talk about 1960s, late 1960s, Atlanta, early 1970s, this is still during the, 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 the civil rights movement. So I'm glad you bring that up. So one of the things that I think about, um, especially during this period, it'd be so volatile, so many different things going on that could be you know, uh, photographed in reference to the civil rights movement, I'm sure that there were notable figures that were definitely um, traversing the Atlanta's landscape during this time frame. Um, but Gordon Parks has a, um, had a book that was called uh, The Choice of Weapons. And if you look into his work, you'll see that a lot of it was his, his way of trying to, to humanize um, the black man, the black woman, the black family in a way that showed that this is why equality is necessary because we're people, we're, we're, we, we enjoy playing in the, in, the, in the yard, we enjoy family time, we go to church, we do all these things because those, that visual narrative had not been represented up to that point. But the civil rights movement and all, that, all those things were still going on and he chose to actually focus in on the family, to look inward versus outward. And I'm, I'm picking up some of that with uh, Rusty Miller's choice of weapon. I, I know that it's no coincidence, you know, with the, when you're photographing and you have a, a thread throughout your work, it's no coincidence that he shot the deplorable areas of Atlanta. It's consistent throughout all of these images, all 50 of them, um, whether it was through transportation, or whether it was um, um, in, the, in the communities that he was shooting. But he also was shooting transition. He also was shooting transition. It, in a lot of ways, you'd have this landscape of deplorable um, scenery, the joy of, and love and happiness that you see of the kids, the families interacting, the, the mothers waving at him as he walked by. But then in the background, 
I would consider that his gaze into the future, him seeing forward where Atlanta's going. And, he, and in a lot of ways, it seems like he saw that there was change coming about where this, these areas would, would and could be lost to a whole new development, such as the stadium, such as the uh, skyscrapers, such as the development of the transportation system, all of which were behemoths in Atlanta during this time that totally changed Atlanta's landscape to a place where you wouldn't be able to recognize it if you were from this era. But his choice of weapon um, to, to highlight the level of, of, of poverty in Atlanta, to highlight that transition um, is, is hugely impactful um, in the same way that I liken it to Gordon Park's work um, where he created the segregation story. Now, looking at the choice of words, um, this notion of, of both compassion, mm -hmm. but also forgotten. This notion of, of forgetting or being overlooked. You mentioned that this isn't too far in our, in our, in our past. And if you go around Atlanta now, I'm sure you, you can find some neighborhoods that have not progressed beyond, like too much, you know, uh, past what we see currently. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, in thinking about this notion of, of trying to elevate the forgotten, mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a photographer, I feel like you've done some work in some of these same neighborhoods. Um, so when you look at the individuals in these images, when you compare them to uh, the folks who you've shot in some of these neighborhoods, what are you hoping to elicit with your work? Well, in a lot of ways, it is uh, a huge focus on preservation. Um, preservation of legacy, pleasure, preservation of the culture, the fabric of that community that you're shooting. Um, being able to, to say they were present, or even we were present in a certain way that showed pride for where we were. Um, even amongst the, the change that seems to be surrounding us even now. Um, Rusty Miller's work was, a, in, in a way to me, the message I received is a cautionary tale. A cautionary tale of change and how the city um, in, its, in its forward progressive movement um, literally, I'm not saying erased, but didn't necessarily highlight a certain side of the community that was present during that time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was because it wasn't polished. I don't know if it's because it didn't show Atlanta in a light that was pristine and, you know, forward thinking, but it definitely was not in my, you know, education or even my, you know, parousing of, of multiple sources of, of Atlanta's history. Um, I and myself would think that my messaging and would fashion that after that same idea um, that with so many things happening in our country in reference to gentrification and even now our landscapes are changing just as rapidly as they were changing in Rusty Miller's time um, and being able to make the connection of this is not so far away makes such a big difference in how I would like to portray and 
one thing that connects in the way that I've shot, um, specifically a community of Summer Hill, which is directly connected to the stadiums, which he shot before they were built, um, show this, this last bastion of a community that's, this, that, that has stuck in there and has gone through Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, has gone through Turner Field Stadium transition, has gone through the Olympic development of the city and has been involved in all three of those aspects and is still finding itself encroached upon um, in reference to the surrounding area closing in on the community in a way that either is raising property values to a point where they couldn't move next door to themselves or the deplorable uh, water system that had, had, has gone un, unmaintained and caused you know, erratic flooding uh, based on the geography of, of where that, that community sits. But I just think about all the promises that have been made to that community that have gone or either fallen flat. And I wanted to take pictures of that community in a way that said, this is why we should preserve this community. This is why we should grow communities in this way that are inclusive of everyone that's living in that community versus exclusive or um, pushing in a way where the, the, the folks that originally started there now are no longer have a place um, there. And we see that, uh, that a lot in, in the way that we see our transportation system. We see that a lot in, in the way that we're seeing development of residential um, housing that is solely geared towards high-income uh, residents. And the idea of the, the, the city is, is that for someone to have work, to someone to be able to get to work and actually make enough money to provide for their family and their life, they need at least basic transportation. They need to be close to the hubs, the central hubs of where folks tra traverse. At this point, they're kind of being pushed out and the transportation piece is not connecting which then displaces them, also makes it harder to get a job because the jobs are in the city, usually in, in the demographic of how cities are made up. Um, and the photography that I think of and in the way that he's translated, Rusty Miller's translated in his work, is to bring awareness, be a cautionary tale, but also help to try and find a solution as to how we can live together in a space and still preserve the, the, the faces of joy that we see in these images that not only I capture, but that Rusty Miller has captured up to this point. Talk more about your work in Summerhill in terms of photography and events and community and the neighborhood, all of that. I'm, I'm really more interested in, in some of the more interesting aspects of the neighborhood that maybe those of us who don't know or who, or who have not lived or traveled in that, in that neighborhood, I'm more interested in, in, in some of those stories. Um, so say more. So um, in my connection to Summerhill, I had actually um, a church I was going to, one of the parishioners or chairpersons was the um, director of the community center. and. They, every year they would have their own parade, they would have their own bands from the schools that are around that area, the community would be there, there was a senior, there is a senior citizen's home that would be involved, it'd be, it'd be like a, a big community cookout of sorts. You have the parade and then it turns into like a festival, you'd have vendors and things of that nature. And uh, the gentleman asked me to 
just come and take pictures of the parade because it's something that they put a lot of work into. They have all these T-shirts, all the kids are playing. They bring out, you know, um, costumed uh, superheroes and things for the kids to play with. So I was like, okay. And when I came, not knowing what to expect, I fell in love with the community, just in the sense of the way that they kind of not just stuck together, but the way that they enjoyed themselves in their community. They weren't relying on anyone else to have a parade for them or to open their community center up where they could feed everybody that was there. They provided that for themselves. That was an infrastructure that was already there. And to me, it felt like the last community that still had the reins of, you know, making the decisions as to what would happen with the community, you know, not allowing it to be traversed in, um, Sometimes a town hall or things. They were, they were, they, everything about them showed that they were involved in every way, every aspect. So going to the parade, shooting the parade, I start seeing these narratives like starting to pop up. And at that, this point, I was still developing even in my own style, but I didn't know where I would put it, didn't know have a place for it, um, but I shot it anyway. Fast forward, I've been going back and forth to this parade two and three years um, in, the, in, the, in, in succession and always either saw familiar faces, got to the point where people remembered me. Um, I grew up in Atlanta and I, you know, I've always known about Summer Hill, but it's different when you live in a community versus driving by the community. This gave me an opportunity to actually hear their stories, um, see the things that they loved, the love of family, the love of their kids playing in the band and seeing them. You know, I'm not saying this was Macy's Day Parade, but it was like you could see the joy as if it was, you know, to see a, a huge produce, a hugely produced parade versus their parades. And then expanded out into their breakfast dinners where they had connections with the churches in the community too, to highlight and to uh, recognize um, their, their figures. Uh, one of the stories was um, with, a, with a young lady, she's probably in her 80s, and her name was Mrs. Jackson, and she literally is almost like the elder of that community. Uh, the first year I came, I ended up shooting a picture of her, and I just caught her in just a moment where she was glancing at me, but very striking features, uh, silver hair had a gaze and a connection that just stirred my soul, not knowing even who she was. Um, and then my wife had uh, gone and actually started a sewing program in the community center. So I was going back and forth to the same community center and I remember when she had me take a check um, to get deposited in the bank, it had her name on it. And it gave me some type of understanding as to how deep she was entrenched into the community. She was the person who was signing off on the checks of the community workers and the folks, the staff. Um, fast forward, there ended up being, um, a couple of years after I took that picture, there ended up being a situation where her neighborhood was being condemned based on it being in a 100-year floodplain. And there was a big to-do about this in reference to her needing to move and the appraisal of her house. And I found myself pulled into that in the sense of trying to support her and her family and their petition to the city um, to allow her to stay where she is based on her age and her 
her call out was, I grew up in this neighborhood. I took care of the children of this neighborhood. I still take care of the children of this neighborhood. I can't go anywhere in my own neighborhood and afford what you're giving me for my own house. And that threw me into a whole um, path of just studying and researching what, how the city is changing, gentrification. Um, they eventually allowed her to stay. The only unfortunate part of this is they had already gotten a large, considerable amount of the neighbors to move and to sell. And when you have vacant housing, you have vandalism, you have rodents, you have mildew, and all those things can affect the neighbors, the neighborhood collectively. Um, but she stayed, and it's still um, a place where she is. But the story is I know a story of so many folks who are dealing with possibly the same thing circumstances outside of their own control that now they're being asked to do things that were never that they never thought they'd have to do especially in communities that they were born in and that story ultimately is the biggest story that came out of summer hill and my connection with them and why they hold such a special place in my heart even just outside of the city of atlanta but in a concentrated point of these are people i know i've seen i've walked by them i've talked to them i've photographed them in multiple occasions on years upon years to to follow their stories, and it's, it feels good to see them still smile when I get to see them again. The story of, of, of Rusty Miller, I think, is very interesting in that as we know more about his narrative, he worked as a commercial photographer, as a commercial artist, but the images he took that we see in this collection were images he took on the weekends or after work. It was not publicized these images have only been made known to us after he's passed away so as a photographer who i'm sure has done both the commercial as well as the artistic in terms of how you advance your craft what does that say to you it says that he had a passion it said that it was a love uh, the same love that i talk about about i have for summer hill he said that he had something that he'd be willing to do for free on his own time outside of the um, you know, high-key, high-profile images that he, or, or photography that he had done on a normal basis. It showed that it, it, he wanted to document Atlanta or this interpretation of Atlanta and these communities in a way because he had a close connection to them, some way, form, or fashion. Um, you, you have to, to be able to come from a totally different side or a style of photography and then have such consistent photography amongst your off time and your free time. And that's exactly kind of what Summer Hill was for me. It just came to the point where I enjoyed it. It didn't matter if anybody was paying me or not. It didn't matter how long I was there. I stayed until I felt like I had enough to tell a story. And the difference is, you know, he may not have ever felt like there was a place for these photographs. So they remained in a chest or they remained, you know, um, you know, in an album that never was developed or something like that. But for me, it gives me inspiration to say these photos have a place. These photos have a purpose. 
it's also similar to these people have a place. These people have a purpose. This community has a place. This community has a purpose. Um, to see how it resonates and how, fortunately enough, his work was found and being able to be fashioned in a way where now folks can interact with his work that he may not have ever thought that anyone else would see or even want to see at the time. Um, but it, it, it's, it's an act of not taking your current state for granted. That's ultimately it, it, what it is. To have passion for it is one thing, but to take the initiative, to not take it for granted, to not take for granted the landscapes that we're traversing every day, the people that we're walking by, stopping and just slowing down a little bit to say, you know what, it may be something that I see every day and I'm taking it for granted, but generations from now, someone will be thirsty to see cars on the street or to see people walking, to be so detailed in trying to see the style of dress and style of clothes that they have on, or to see what the kids are playing with, the idea that they're playing outside or the idea that they're playing on a phone. Things can change so drastically, but my, my call out is, to, is, is that we hopefully, in my, to myself and also to the audience, that we can take the time to slow down smell the roses, and if we can capture a rose while we're smelling it, that'd be a great thing for the generations to come. Any closing thoughts on this exhibition, whether it be from a compositional perspective, a technical perspective, a narrative perspective? Is there anything else that, that jumps out to you as a photographer that you feel um, just resonates? Um, mostly, in the sense that you could tell when he got intimate, when he really went intimate, his, uh, the shots that he had on the bus were definitely intimate portraits of each rider. So much so, you didn't really see a lot of the bus. You could see some of the buses. But that, those were photos that could have easily been shot in a set-up studio for portraits. Um, and the idea that he had to wait on the light to hit them correctly through the bus windows as the bus was either moving or either stopped also meant that he probably had a conversation or was having a conversation with the child's mother who he, who he shot the child or the older gentleman that had his cane in his newspaper. But then on the other side, in the reference to his shots of the communities, you'll see that the, most of them are wide shots. They're open to not only include the, the ideal of life in the midst of this community, but he wanted to tell a bigger story of Atlanta. You see a lot of horizons in his, in his imagery um, that show the change or either the contrast between the street that he was looking at and what's in the background. I would um, say that that's something that is uh, a very striking connection for his photos to be able to communicate this, this um, intent of, of describing this, this community visually but also pulling in Atlanta as the background, um, whether it's the building and the skyscrapers in the background, or if it's the destruction of, you know, paved roads being um, paved, or if it's the store that's, that has the writing on it that shows that, you know, just give us a chance. We want to work, you know, we want, we can just about do anything. It also gave an idea of the economic um, disparity that was there, that these are people that wanted to work. These are people that had a, 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 an interest in being a part of this, seemingly this new 
growth or this new evolution of the city and and less less than being forgotten more so about not being left behind um, outside of that there's symbolism built all in all of these photos uh, one that sticks out to me is there's an older lady sitting in the kitchen and I remember my grandfather having these stoves the white stoves with it you know were gas and she had all the pots on the stove um, there was no floor it was kind of like a plywood floor but she had the last supper right above the stove that painting of Jesus and his disciples at the table and that struck me because the idea that no matter even with the the, the way that the 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 shot was composed to show her kitchen and to show her relaxing in a space that you wouldn't think someone would be able to relax in. There still, there still was some level of reverence because they had a picture there and to show their connection, their spirituality. And it being the Last Supper, here's the place where she cooks her meals for her family, her grandchildren, her children, um, wherever they, they eat at, it didn't really matter. It showed that connection of family, reverence, spirituality, all in one photo. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm stru struck by his intentionality in his composition. I'm, I'm struck by the idea of him finding this, this gap, this narrative, which, which he could have been, he could have easily have just passed by, uh, but he didn't, and that he was able to capture um, for us to discover many years later. John Stevens, thank you for your time. Thank you, Floyd. It's been a pleasure.